G'day everyone and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Wrap. Uh, another sad, sorry tale for the Crows, although it wasn't terrible like last week. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, here we are to talk all about it, so why don't we get straight into it, shall we? Good evening and welcome again to everyone in Discord and YouTube for another weekend wrap. Unfortunately, another sad tale for the Crows, but uh, happily for everyone involved, we're joined by our full panel tonight. Good evening, Nikki. Welcome back. Hey, I'm back. And Maka, how are you going? Struggling, mate. I've got bloody shingles. <laughs> Still. Yep, that's the physical pain side of the mental side that was the football, mate. So, <laughs> it's just agony. Life's just agony. Well, what would you I, rather I have? Tom, I was just going to say, Tom Richardson has just summed it up beautifully on Twitter and that we had even less to play for than the other team. <laughs> yeah, that could be right, too. Oh dear, look, it wasn't great, but never mind, never mind, we're all here, g'day to everyone who's joined us on, uh, it's a bit of a bit of a light audience so far, maybe the late start has thrown a few people off, but hopefully we get a few more people in the live audience chat. I'll tell you what, Nikki and Macca, it was getting a little bit willing this week in, uh, in the game day chat on Discord, probably the most robust we've had so far this season, and I challenged all these people to make sure that they came on tonight and vented their frustrations and didn't leave it in the chat. So hopefully we see a few of those people uh, come onto the chat during the course of the evening. That'd be great. And, uh, you know, let us know what they think about today's effort because it wasn't real great, was it? Uh, <laughs> it was well, a step up from last week, though, wasn't it? The first half was, Nicky. The second half was a repeat of it. <laughs> oh, joy of joys. Yeah, particularly the third quarter, I guess. But, uh, yeah, definitely the second half we fell away. But, uh, you know, uh, we're a young squad, Mac and Nick, and uh, you just wonder whether they're starting to tire a little bit. I'm not sure whether I'm just making excuses, but never mind. Um, I'm willing to... <laughs> I'm willing to make a couple of excuses for them, I guess. Um, <laughs> because what else have we got? <laughs> well, anyway. quite no. Yeah, quite frankly, you know, I don't even think the youth thing really cuts it either, you know, because some of the stuff that uh, we did or didn't do was very basic today. So, uh, I mean, you, you take, for example, every, every set of bounce set up, you, you know who's going to win the tap. You, you, we, don't, we don't set up properly for that. I look forward to your deep analysis, Maka. But in the meantime, um, why, don't, why don't we just cover off... Uh, Macca's uh, 15 Minutes Hall of Fame, <laughs> shall we? <laughs> Macca's Beloved's Weekend Results wrap up. Don't blame me, you asked for it. Let's go, well, Mac. Let's, let's do it. All right, on uh, whenever it was, about 100 years ago, it was the cats getting up over... Was that right? That's not right, is it? 
Yeah. Th- oh, yeah, it was Thursday night. The Cats getting up 14-16, uh, 100 to a uh, very, very disappointing Fremantle Dockers with everything to play for, 3-13-31, a margin of 69 points. Yep, um, I had anticipation looking forward to this game because I thought, you know, Frio very much on the improve. I think they'd won their last three wins on, a, on the trot before that uh, and they had the opportunity to possibly get into the eight as well. So, But they quickly found out that uh, when you play teams of this calibre, it's a different league when you're playing the big boys. Um, they just couldn't really match them in any area around the ground. I thought... Uh, Geelong just controlled the way the game was going to be played. Then they play as they like it. They just hang on to the ball. They kick it around. They wait up for the openings and they get you. And, uh, and that's what happened. I think the Frio just really never in the contest. You know, I think uh, they, you know, big tick to Darcy, their ruckman, who I think is going to be a star of the future. But he had a bit of a knee problem. Um, yeah. But you know, uh, but for uh, Geelong, well, I thought the, you know the mids they were just too good for them and. Uh, yeah, different league. Thanks to PJ for letting me know. I don't know why it's not tweeting now. It usually tweets, so there's something going on there, but I'll uh, look into that. Thanks to uh, PJ for letting me know. Um, all right, next game. We had uh, the Tigers against all odds in Jack's, what was it, 300th or whatever? Uh, uh, yeah, getting up by 20 points. 16-10-106 to the Lions, 13-8-86. The Lions showing that they're missing Eric Hipwood and the Tigers showing they're not completely out of it yet. Only well, when they play outside Victoria. Well, firstly, uh, uh, I'd like to congratulate Rewald on his uh, six goals in his 300th game, which puts him uh, in the record books equally for the most uh, number of goals in their 300th game. That's a, that's a very, very big achievement, in my opinion. Um, it was a a pretty close game most of the night, um, and uh, in the third quarter, um, Dustin Martin was he just set a light in the third quarter until he crashed into Robinson, who got his fire extinguisher and put him out, and in, uh, put him out in a big way. I've never seen Dustin Martin show pain, and I, uh, if, if you watched the game, you would have noticed that even when he went to the bat, to the bench, he dropped on all fours, and they took him to the hospital. And he's not going to play again for the rest of the year. And they said he might be a late starter for next year. So uh, it's obviously kidney damage of some kind. And, yeah, it's uh, a split kidney, mate. Yeah, well, I said that to the wife. It has to be at least a split kidney. And uh, so best of luck, uh, best of health to him eventually. Um, coming back to the game, um, well, you know, uh, once he was gone, I that basically... Uh, I thought, well, that'll be the end of Richmond, but not so. Uh, they they just went back to playing that uh, chaos game of theirs where they just throw it about, and it, they ran all over Brisbane in the end. Yeah, Brisbane, uh, I think I'd be a bit disappointed actually. I, I felt like they uh, I felt like they lacked some intensity at key moments, Maka. Well, you, you, you're spot on, absolutely spot on. Mm. And uh, to me, Brisbane. I've never, ever felt they could win the flag for that very same reason you just said then. They just mm. don't seem to have that real uh, toughness when it really counts. And, uh, yeah, well, as you say, it was a massive loss to them. And, uh, yeah, I, I, they would be disappointed, I would have thought. Um, they would be. Yeah, they should be disappointed. But Richmond, were credit to them for being able to run over them without uh, their main man. Yep. 
Very true. Uh, then we had uh, Port Adelaide eventually getting over the Saints. The Saints also would be ruining some shocking turnovers by Brad Hill and a couple of others at the death there. Port ending up uh, winning by 13 points, 10-14-74 uh, to 8-13-61. St Kilda had them on toast, in my opinion. Oh, I thought so too. Unfortunately, the you know the filth got up and in. Um, not a particularly high standard game, I didn't think, though, Fiend. There are a lot of errors mm. from both sides. You mentioned some. And the kicking for goal was bloody atrocious. Um, uh, and, I, you know, I thought that St Kilda might be able to knock them off. Uh, and they did make a late, a late charge in the last quarter, and they got within a couple of points. But um, I, I thought the game was sort of had highlights in it in the sense of people. Uh, Georgiadis for Port with his four goals. He's a beauty. We'd love to have one of him. Well, and apparently we've is... got... Hang on, hang on, hang on. Apparently we've got Tilthorpe. So, and to be perfectly honest with you, Mitch Georgiadis is who I actually uh, measure Riley by. I know Mitch has had a few more games, but I want to see Riley start going for aerial contests like Mitch Georgiadis. If he's going to be a bona fide, you know, one or two pick then uh, that's exactly the type of aerial work he needs to be putting forward. Yep, the, other, the other player which I thought was outstanding uh, was in, in the big boy stakes was Marshall uh, and both rucking up for, uh, full forward uh, when, yep. when he's resting. Three goals, we'd love to have a player like that. And Steele still was outstanding and, and on the ball, as was Wines. But I didn't think it was a high standard game and uh, I don't believe Port could win the flag. No, not on current form, but uh, you can only beat who you put in front of you, uh, Macca, so uh, they're still in the hunt. Um, Fair enough. A good game, I thought, was uh, the Suns-Dogs game, so the Dogs getting up in the end, 14-6-90 to Gold Coast, 11-13-79. Dogs by 11, um, but just when you're prepared to uh, relocate the Suns to Tassie and wipe them out and all the rest of it, they actually start showing something like a football team. Well, we were going to relocate the Suns to Papua New Guinea or something like that just to get rid of them. <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, they actually did play a very good game, I thought. It was, in fact, it was one of the most watchable games of the weekend, It I was, thought. I um, agree. Uh, the Bulldogs, you know, have got that mighty midfielder there. Um, but uh, as well as, you know, uh, Bailey Smith. If you got, you know, as long as you're named Bailey in there, you did well. Apparently. Bailey Smith, Bailey Dole. Yeah. Yep, the... But Teak Miller, you've got to take your hat off to him. He, he tries all day and he runs and he runs and he, he's, yes. he's, a, he's got to be a bit of a brown low chance, but I've just got this feeling that he's not the type the umpires will give the threes to, but anyhow, so be well, it. The only uh, thing that I'll say about Miller this week is I felt like uh, Western Bulldogs put a bit of work into him um, and he wasn't as damaging by foot as he usually is. I think of his first 23-odd possessions, I think 20 of them were handballs. Um, so he did get a little bit uh, more uh, kicking disposals towards the end of the game, but uh, I reckon the Bulldogs were really trying to corral him and make him give off rather than get on the outside and hurt them. Yeah, there was a young lad who played for um, them as well called uh, Sharp who got 30 possessions. And, yep, uh, very good. Yeah, and, geez, would love, I'd love to come. But he's got pace and skill. And I'm thinking, why don't we get little young ones like that to get patient skill? But yeah, so be it. Mine. Uh, right, the next game was uh, the draw. 
Melbourne and uh, Hawthorne fighting out a draw again. Hawthorne maybe should have won this one. 11-13-79, Melbourne to Hawthorne, 12-7-79. Um, again, I didn't think it was a terribly high-standard game, but of course the the uh, scoreline made it somewhat entertaining. Yeah, look, Melbourne had 24 scoring shots to 19, so they could argue that they should have won the game, but I also thought Hawthorne blew opportunities without scoring when they should probably should have scored. So yep. um, I, th- I think you're quite right that uh, it was a, a sort of a game of wasted opportunities and it wasn't a very particularly high standard, but... I think that was basically because Hawthorne gave it everything they've got. Uh, Melbourne's got the class um, in terms of, in particular, Petrarca and uh, Oliver. Um, but apart from those two particular players, I thought uh, Hawthorne matched them in many, many places. Mitchell, of course, played his usual outstanding game. And, uh, yeah, in the end, uh, I think both sides would claim that they were unlucky to lose, not to win, whatever you want to call it, because as a draw. Well, but, then you have you know, to give the points to Hawthorne because Melbourne, on paper, should have cleaned the floor with them. Well, the interesting thing was, did you, I don't know whether you saw the end of the game, um, no crowd, no. <laughs> and, and uh, out on the ground, 36 players standing there thinking, what the fuck happens next? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. was a very strange-looking strange thing. Bit like that, anyway. And uh, another team that blew an opportunity was North Melbourne getting uh, getting pants right at the end there. Uh, Essendon getting up 13 14 92. I think they kicked the last three goals of the game. North Melbourne 11 8 74. Bombers by 18 in the end. Uh, Bombers still in the hunt for finals action. North Melbourne really a team on the rise, though, Fane. I think, I mean, they, they played very good football, I thought, and uh, they were 10 points up at half time. And I thought, could they? Would they? Mm. Would they do the right thing and win and uh, move off the bottom of the ladder? Um, and, uh, you know, it was... Uh, I was going to think of it not for draft purposes there. Um, but uh, Essendon got really going in uh, the second half and in particular Stringer, Merritt, pa- uh, Parrish, they, these are the classy players. And, and uh, they didn't win by a lot, 18 points, I think it was. And... Yep. Uh, I think North Melbourne will win. I'll get somebody before the end of the year. Yeah, I think so. Um, whether it'll be a toss-up, I think, between Hawthorne and North as to who ends up finishing bottom. Um, but uh, uh, they are playing for their coach at the moment, and they're playing for each other. They're not certainly not the worst at the moment. Uh, one, in my opinion. one interesting thing, though, Fiend, is that they. We've we've got Hawthorne and North Melbourne both below us. Yep. But if, if both of those won one more game than us, we'd be bottom. Yep. And we'd have to pick one. Yep. Well, we're not out of the woods yet. All right. Uh, Carlton, after a sluggish start, ended up overcoming Collingwood 13-13-91, probably saving David Teague's coaching career, I reckon, or certainly prolonging it. Um, Collingwood 9-8-62. The Blues in the end by 29 points, but it... Uh, it looked a little shaky there in the first half for Carlton. Well, I only saw the first half of that particular game. Um, and uh, I thought, you know, Collingwood, they went up by about 10 points, and I think it was, and after a little bit of the third quarter and then gave it away after that. And uh, yeah. I thought Collingwood, Collingwood will get them. And then I heard well, that's the what I thought too, end. actually. Yeah, and then I heard the score at the end, and apparently it was six goals to uh, to nil in the last quarter. Yeah, Carlton's way. So, uh, yeah, well, Collingwood, they 
looked like shit earlier in the season, and they still and they still do. Yep, a uh, bit of work to do in that squad, that's for sure. Now the uh, score that I've put up for the Giants was the score that I wrote down when I uh, got all this prepared. I can now report that the Swans got up fifteen eight ninety eight uh, to the Giants eleven six seventy two. Swans in the end by twenty six after the Giants were all over them at the start. Yeah, well, I didn't see that game at all, so I can't really comment on it. But uh, I did see that uh, GWS were a long way in front early in the piece. Yep. Um, and I just thought, well, you know, we'll just leave it at that. But uh, uh, So you said Sydney got up by how much? Uh, well, it was uh, uh, 26 points in the end. The, yeah, the... Uh, there's one. The only thing I do know about this particular game is the fact that the players being five players having to drop out of the game uh, due to COVID fears because mm-hmm. they attended certain games where uh, they might may or may not have uh, caught an infection. Um, one of them, and one of them, of course, was Mills. I only needed a few points to win the bloody dream team. <laughs> He's great, mate. <laughs> what, what can I do? Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, but the fearful, fearful thing about this is that um, the way this is going with play, you know, states locked down and players getting withdrawn because of attending places where there's somebody that's been there with COVID. Gee, we're going to be lucky to get through the season uninterrupted, I reckon. Well, next week's going to be very interesting. Um, I don't know what what they're going to do uh, about next week, um, but I have, a, I have a feeling they might just shuffle the fixture around and get all the games in uh, as best they can, and I expect a few changes in the fixture, particularly with Sydney still showing 100-plus cases and uh, Victoria not out of the woods yet either. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see how it all pans out, Macca. Uh, let's just have a quick look at the ladder. Uh, this ladder doesn't take into account the GWS Swans result, but I'll try and build it in. Uh, we have Melbourne on top with 54 points, the Bulldogs on 52, along with Geelong. Port in the four with 48 points. Uh, Brisbane and Sydney now on 44 points as well. Uh, West Coast 36 points. Essendon in the eight on 32 points. Richmond just out on 32, along with Fremantle, who just missed a golden opportunity there and need wins because their percentage is crap. St Kilda likewise on 32 with an even worse percentage. So you would think that unless they start winning games, those two clubs, it's really down to Essendon and Richmond for that eighth spot. Uh, GWS almost out of it now on 30 points, you would think, with 97%. Um, Carlton on 28 points. Gold Coast on 24 points. Collingwood on 20, going above Adelaide on 20 also, but with a worse percentage, the Crows. Uh, Hawthorne with a similar percentage to us now, just two points behind on 18 points. Uh, And North on 14. So, yeah. It's uh, getting a little bit uh, tighter at the bottom, Macca and Nick. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, you know, it's difficult. I know that Razor has been quite vocal uh, on Crow's chat during the week, and I can understand his sentiment, saying that he doesn't like, um, you know, barracking to lose. And uh, I guess, you know, on the surface, you don't want your team to lose, but I think um, it's... 
a product of the system, unfortunately, where you know you just uh, the situation is just such that um, our club benefits at this point from losing. So um, you know the bot- In my opinion, I've I've always supported a lottery for the uh, top ten, and I think a situation as you as you have it at the moment with three teams all benefiting from uh, what would be a pick one, uh, it should be a lottery in my opinion. Well, I must admit, when the match is actually being played, I do parrot for our team to win. Um, but I do console myself at the end of the game that, well, uh, there, is a, there is some benefit out of the game in the sense that the the lower we go, the better the draft pick we'll get. So, um, But Matt, when the match is actually being played, I throw all that out the window and do barrack for the team. Yeah, of course. And Nick, you'd be the same, I'm sure. Oh, totally. Um, <laughs> but when, like, something stupid happens, we're just like, oh, no, 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 tanking's fine. Because <laughs> it's the only way. It's the only <laughs> way the you can make it through. <laughs> it's the only way you can make it through some of those performances. Um, yeah. But the, the AFL has created this. They mm. knew what it was. Yep. They've seen how it has happened overseas, but they still persisted in doing something where they know that teams are going to tank. It's interesting, they, they isn't might it? Be able to, they might be able to hide it better um, in some instances, and in others it's pretty blatant that's what's happening. Um, well, you know, are, are we selecting our best 22 at the moment or our best configuration? No. I don't no, know what I'm... we are. I was, I was going to raise that with you. That I, when I saw the forward line, I thought to myself, this is a shocking forward line. It, it, we just, well, it wasn't it's shocking. Back. It was better. It was better. We had better balance than last week. Yes, but it goes back to the old structure that we used to criticise every week. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the inclusion of Himmelberg is probably the one that you query. That, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. And, you know, he was as useful as the Hindenburg was when... Yeah. The, the know, problem is... That went pro- down... The problem is, though, Mac, um, you know, it continues to be the case that uh, they they select a second uh, ruck forward uh, to give O'Brien a chop out. Now, I reckon O'Brien spent all of about 30 seconds off the ball. <laughs> so, you know, how, how worthwhile was it? Uh, Elliot's not the worst ruckman going around, that's for sure. He could probably hold his own as a, as a first ruckman in some sides. Um, but, uh, yeah, it certainly does throw the balance off, in my opinion. Well, it did. In my opinion, uh, I just thought it was a, just a, a poor structure up forward. I don't know. What do you think, Nick? Well, because I didn't see last week. But you, you're right that it is. It went back to that, those tools. It was a colder game. The start of the, the first quarter actually wasn't bad because what West Coast have with their tall backs Himmelberg makes a good contest. Um, Tex was actually doing it as well. And we were getting our smalls at the fall of the ball. We were making sure that we were bringing the ball to ground. In the third quarter, that just disappeared. So I actually didn't mind it from what I could see in the first quarter. Um, We were controlling most of the play. It's just, unfortunately, because they push up so high that when they get it, they then have to stall because West Coast are set up behind the ball because they're, I mean, even when they're playing poo, they've still got that really good structure. 
Um, I didn't mind Himmelberg, and the one thing that I've and you know I like Imbaka, but the what one of the reasons why I like him is the way that he works with the forwards and creates the space, not only for himself, but also for the other forwards. And we saw that a couple of times with some nice lead outs from Fogg. We didn't get enough of it, but that was also on the way the ball was being brought in. Um, I have to actually take you to task, Macker, on our forward structure because it actually was no different to uh, what we had when we had uh, Tex... Fog and Tilthorpe. The only difference is that we had Himmelberg instead of Tilthorpe. Yes, uh, although but, um, Tilthorpe is is vastly more mobile. And, yeah, I uh, know. But if you're not, I mean, you're talking about structure. We're not talking about talent here. We're talking about structure, and the and structurally, it was exactly the same as the the best forward line configuration we've had when we've played that configuration. Uh, no, but no, but you have no. We also had Tom Lynch in there, which means we got yeah, one I'm... less, one less small man down in, down in the bottom. Yeah, well, yeah, no, well, I... okay. But Lynch plays up on the bloody wing, right? And last week we had three smalls there, and uh, they're as good as useless. Oh, I don't look. I well, let's talk about matchups, uh, lineups, because here we are. Uh, and I'll just whack this on the screen. So, you know, we had... Uh, uh, Davis was omitted along with Frampton, Pedler and Thilthorpe managed and Duday was obviously out with uh, with not the concussion protocol. The AFL mandated week off because it looked bad, um, which is a disgrace in my opinion. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, that, that sort of... That sort of interference with match selection is not warranted by the AFL, and if I was Adelaide, I would have pushed back a lot harder than they obviously did. Well, we was cleared by the club doctor. Now, exactly. in, every case, in every case this year, they have accepted the word of the club doctors, and they've actually stated that they will accept the word of the club doctors. Yep. But then for some reason, they won't accept our club doctor. They're actually calling our club doctor a liar. That's right. That's right. I, I, it was disgusting, in my opinion. Um, I there's there's no uh, oh, there's no excuse for what they for what they did in terms of overriding our medical staff. None whatsoever. No. Now I've yes. when I played, I actually did miss a game, and that was at the instigation of my doctor. But I wasn't technically concussed, um, but I had symptoms that were close to it, but didn't step over the line. And in his, and his opinion, what, I think his what was his official diagnosis it was stunned well and good, um, but I wasn't concussed. But he still said no. You're couple not things, to play. A couple of things way. about that, Nick. First of all, you're not a professional footballer, and no. second, and second of all, our doctors cleared him to play. And that's what I was then going to bring in, that even though he was just a general GP and I went, okay, yeah, that's fine. I actually felt okay, but I was going to err on the side of caution. Now, I know the Adelaide Club doctors and I know what their concussion protocols are like and they are actually very conservative compared to other clubs. We've got a couple of players that as soon as something happens, they are off. 
they will not take a risk with those players because of um, well, they, they get delayed concussion right. symptoms. Uh, and so you're correct in that the AFL interfering with and those actual doctors is very not on because those doctors are the first port of call in terms of actually being um, responsible more well, than the AFL are. The, the AFL is just so scared of being sued. Yeah, well, the last I heard, and, and Nick, the, we're just feeding back a little bit. I don't know whether you've got your mic or your headphones up just a little high. Um, last I heard, Gil McLaughlin was a lawyer, not a doctor. And, uh, you know, why have doctors if the AFL are going to just run roughshod over I, I Look, I understand it was a bad look, but Tom Duday wasn't concussed. He suffered from blurred vision for a little while after uh, when he came off, and they decided to sub him out. But uh, he passed every concussion test and the doctors cleared him during the week. And I just think, it again, another example of the AFL just interfering just because of the look of the game. Anyway, um, aside from that, uh, I didn't... These are my personal opinions and you guys can have your say in a moment. My personal... I didn't mind um, Riley getting a week off. I felt that he's looked tired over the last couple um and uh could have done with the rest i wouldn't have actually minded if he went and played in the twos to be honest because i just feel like he's not running at the at the ball uh, when it's coming in high at the moment um i didn't mind berg coming in for frampton um and by all reports billy had a very good game down back in the twos he's obviously a class above at uh at SANFL level, and he played in defence this week. Got 29 touches, I think, or something ridiculous. Uh, Tex obviously came in. I can understand the uh, the ins of Tom Lynch uh, and Andrew McPherson. Tom Lynch, not my favourite player, and did a trademark uh, kick into the man as he does every bloody week, every time <laughs> he plays. Uh, you can you can bet your house, you can bet your marbox on it, Mac. Honestly, um, I did. I lost it. <laughs> oh my god! But uh, Lockie Shoal not coming in, well, staying out for David McKay. I know Lockie Shoal ended up being the medisump, but uh, David McKay, I just, I, I'm done with it. Like he's played well, DMAC this year, and uh, but he's played well by DMAC standards, and we've got to move on from David McKay. He's not, he's not uh, the type of experience in terms of leadership that you need on the ground. Uh, so I don't know why he's there. Um, and Rory Sloan's the other one. Um, uh, you know, I, I probably uh, I can probably understand why Peddler got dropped. Um, but again, if you're going to play a kid, you might as well play him for it, give him a stretch. And uh, I, I think um, Rory Sloan should just be put into pasture for the for the season, get that finger right or whatever. Uh, and the other one who's kissed on the backside by a, a fairy at the moment is Jimmy Rowe, uh, and I don't—I really don't know what we do about that forward spot. Oh, Mac? I, I can't disagree with much of what you said. Firstly, um, Bill thought um, he had to be rested. I thought um, I'm glad they didn't play him at all uh, because it, it's—he uh, needs freshening up because, as you said, his last 
two games, you can see he was tapering off quite uh, substantially um, from from the way he was going uh, early in the piece. Uh, Pedler, look, Pedler was playing schoolboy footy last year, so he's had a couple of tastes. He'll go back now and uh, uh, play a bit in the sandfield, so I was quite happy with that as well. Um, uh, who else did we drop? Uh, uh, Frampton uh, and Frampton. Davis. Uh, Davis and Shoal. And, well, Lockie Shoal actually looked like a breath of fresh air when he came on today. Um, oh, Frampton's an interesting... Yep, Frampton was interesting, you know, because as you say, um, he's obviously too good for the Sandfall and struggles at AFL, but he, uh, he was, they played him in defence and he had some outrageous uh, numbers back there. Um, and Murray won't be playing next week because he had concussion this week. And so he won't be playing next week. Well, that, is that uh, confirmed? Be pun. Is that confirmed? Yeah, yeah. He definitely got concussion. Right. And he won't be playing. He won't be playing next week. So, um, look, I, given that where we are, and given we're trying things out, I would not be against him trying Frampton out in that particular position next week. Um, uh, he, you know, we might find out there is a hidden gem there. Uh, I'd be surprised if there is, but but you don't know unless you try. Um, Strongly coming disagree. Coming back to us. Pardon? Strongly disagree. Okay, that's fair enough. Uh, uh, only, because of, only because of a bloke called um, Fisher Mackesy. And uh, who they Fisher played Mackesy. up forward. Yeah, well, they may have played, played him up forward, but... The thing of it is that Fisher Mackesy has been playing defence all year and uh, he's been steadily improving. He's not setting the world on fire. He's steadily improving, though, and uh, I just feel like we need to give Fisher Mackesy a run. Well, I'm not going to get heated about it one way or the other. No, no, no. But, no, um, no. but you know, uh, I'm just thinking with Frampton, if, uh, the fact he goes so well in the twos, is this one of the, is there some way to get something out of him in there at a grade level? Maybe not. Um, and we do have Dodo uh, coming back next week as well uh, after his concussion. But our little smalls are really letting us down very much. Our little sadly. smalls? <laughs> as opposed to our, our big smalls? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Max. Uh, no, they are letting us down very badly, you know, um, Rowe was not so bad in the first half, but uh, oh, was off the... No, I'm not sticking up for him. I'm just saying he wasn't too bad in the first half, but his second half was abysmal. Um, Murphy made a, a particular habit of trying to find an opposition Guernsey every time that he had the ball. Um, and McHenry will... Jumps around a lot, does a lot, lot, uses a lot of energy. Some of it's good, some of it's bad, some of it doesn't do anything. Um... Yeah, it, very, oh, just very disappointing. And um, look, we are we we had this period where we were going pretty well, and we were, we'd won some games. Even though then we lost some games, we started to look like we were a decent side uh, being formed. But all of a sudden, whether they're getting tired, whatever it is, started to look very ordinary again. Very, very ordinary thing. And we we look like we're the worst team in the comp at the moment. Nick, what do you reckon, selections wise? I would have liked to... Oh, I'm with you on the peddler. Um, I think... Because what is it? He only got two games? Two games, yeah. Two. Three, yeah. Possessions. Three possessions last week, Nick. 
Yeah, but how many other players were playing shit as well and the position that he's playing in? Sam Berry, Sam Berry had three possessions last week too, Mac. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, could apply. Well, he didn't play too bad today in the midfield. Yeah. Um, so I would have liked to have still seen Pedler in there. Um, I'm, I'm with you on the Lynch. He did some nice things. He created some space, but he, he had a Lynch game. Um, and we all know what we're going to get from him there. The, the the wings were the interesting one because that's where we left DMAC in because we dropped Shoal out. And, um, yeah, I I think that was a, a loss there. And, unfortunately, during the game, it was just like, please don't give it to Seisman. Um, well, Lucky Show had plus 25 possessions a couple of weeks ago. He yeah, has one. He has one 15-possession game, which is DMAC's bloody benchmark, and he gets dropped. Mm. Um, yeah. Bit anyway, odd. sorry, I'm, I'm interrupting your... Thoughts. Go on. I don't, no, just on the shoulder thing, I think I did think he would look. He was starting to look tired, and he just needed one week off. And, didn't didn't look and tired two he, weeks ago. We gave him. We gave him time off. They actually yeah. did what I suggested, which was the the week leading into the break. So you gave him yeah. two weeks off. I know. Oh, and yeah, then they've yeah. done it again. Yeah, I don't agree with the second one yet. Sorry, Nick. Where you go? Um, I I think. The structure wasn't too bad um, because of who we were going up against. Um, I thought Rob was going to get his absolute pants, um, but he had a really good game. Um, but the con- the concern is that midfield. Um, and what pleased me was Schoenberg spending more time in the midfield, and I think he absolutely deserved it. Ripper game. Um, only yeah. in... It, only in the last quarter, I think it was, that we finally freaking moved Sloan out of there. Oh, no, um, no. It was in the to... second half. Oh, but they Sloan... did it for, in the yeah. third as well? Yeah, Sloan, he played a little bit, uh, probably 50-50 forward uh, mid in the first half, but he was almost exclusively half forward after half time, from what I could see. Oh, he was he was still in some of those um, centre bounces, and that was just like, oh, watch them go, take it away. Oh, look at that. He's not chasing his men. Um, and I knew that was going to happen with that midfield because they're, they're a much faster midfield. And a couple of their goals were very easy ones because that midfield just didn't chase. Well, it didn't and position them, didn't set up right, Nick. And or, Matt Royal agree with picked, me on that one. Or, yeah, or yeah. they picked the wrong when they're running through the midfield and there's two players coming at them, they picked the wrong one to go to. Yeah, but the problem's not there, though, Nicky. The problem is at the centre bounce. When you're over oh, God, yes. a midfielder you, and, you're, and you've got a dominant ruckman in there, like Natanui, who's got the capability of putting it left, right, centre, or wherever he wants to put it, you have to structure, not as if your ruckman was going to win it, as if their ruckman was going to win it. But no, we kept on doing our same stupid structures all the time, which left it open for them to run straight at their goal. Now, that leaves the backman in a merciless position. And uh, that, that, that's where all the trouble was started. Yeah, I agree yeah, and, with that. And, and I, I have to give kudos to the forward line of West Coast because the way that they work to get a mismatch um, with a turnover or an intercept... And that's where we often 
you saw that Butts was on Ryan or uh, Kelly was on, you know, a faster player or Darling. Well, he kind of was in a little bit once um, we lost um, Murray as well. Yeah, but even before that, it, it it took a little while to work out that these weren't positional mismatches. They were actually... No. It was a good observation by you, Nick, that they were rotating quite a bit and trying to create those mismatches. And the thing of it is that once they get a mismatch... They use that mismatch. You know, it's a specific strategy. You know, they actually spot up those mismatches. So uh, it's good forward line play um, from West Coast uh, with uh, JPK out, uh, not JPK, um, Kennedy out. Um, You know, so, and yeah, when Elliot Yeo is the machine for them, when he gets going and when he got going in the third quarter, that was the end of it. Um, he's such a bull. Uh, he's a fantastic player, very underrated in my opinion. Um, yeah. Once once he gets going, uh, he's very hard to to stop, and he he lights them up. He did indeed. But yep. he's, I think Natalie knew he was just patting it to the side where he knew it was going every to go time. to every time. Every time, and he did, and he just burst straight through like a bull, as you said, and straight into the forward line, and then yeah, it's all over Red Rover. They must have got half a dozen goals like that. Yep, yep. And, you know, when you're playing to a losing ruck, and let's face it, it's it's no disgrace for Riley O'Brien to get beaten by Nick Nat in centre bounces because he's just a freak. But can we just have a couple of blokes just playing goals like defensive side? So that if I you, know. Uh, we, were, we were far too aggressive in our, in our midfield uh, positioning and uh, we just didn't have any cover on the defensive side and... We would uh, get sucked into the to the first ball carrier or or whatever, and they'd flick it out time and time again. It, it was well, quite a procession at times. What what got me at once? So Schoenberg actually manned up like that, and then he got and he got yelled yeah, he at by Sloan to move the other side. And I'm just like, no, nah, the kid yeah. actually knew what he was doing. Yeah, yeah I and mean, he, they're talking about. Mm. Yeah, he nullified a couple of. Uh, um, contests when he was in the middle in that second half. He, was he did, good nicely. Um, all right. Well, let's have a look at some um, head-to-heads, shall we? I'll just get myself sorted here. Um, because, you know, I felt like we were in the game for quite a decent period of time um, until the third quarter. Um, it just became a bit... Just became a bit lopsided in that third quarter, um, but I felt like for a while there we were actually, you know, we were going okay in that in that uh, in most stats. Uh, let me have a look. It just it just felt like, particularly that first quarter, it felt like we had the better style of play, mm. and we seemed to be combating them quite well. I mean, it was like a freaking soccer score to start off with of two defences testing each other out. And well, it looked for a while like we were up. going to start playing that bloody same style that we played last week for in the yeah, first 10 minutes. Way, I thought, it? oh, Jesus, yeah. here we go again. <laughs> yes, that, that, that comment was made around uh, where I was sitting. Mm. Um, but once it started, we started to get that run on. We, we worked out how we could get the, the run pass. It started to look better, but 
and you can see how we were trying to keep it lower. We weren't trying to bomb it in forward because we knew that that's what the strength of West Coast was. Yeah. And but as soon as it went back to the center, I'm just like, watch them get a goal. Oh look, they just got a goal straight yeah. out of the center because they're faster. One one thing and we were a, doing. They've got that better setup. One thing we were doing well, I felt, is taking that extra disposal on transition. Um, a couple of times where we were able to change lanes and hit up that 45 degree, that allowed us to open up the forward line and it allowed our forwards to get a bit of separation. And there's a few examples of that where I thought to myself, that's how you move the ball. Um, unfortunately, as we got tired um, and the options, you know, short options kind of started to dry up a bit. Um, we lapsed back in but uh, you know whenever we were able to get the ball in deep or hit up a a, a lead uh, we looked good uh, and that was kind of happening particularly in the second quarter I felt our transition work was quite good in the second quarter anyway let's have a look at some head-to-heads um, we actually out disposed the Eagles 393 to 376 um, more handballs uh, Eagles very kick Oriented, 245 to 228, Eagles favour. Hambles, 165 to us, 131 to um, West Coast. Uh, inside 50s, unfortunately, uh, again, only 44. I think what we have last week, 31, 44. Still not enough to win a game of footy. And only 38.6% efficiency inside 50. And uh, this continues to be... A problem, and I found it interesting. Uh, Rashudo, when asked, said that you know the forwards have got to run to better positions. I I totally disagree, and and I won't belabor the point because I've been bagging on about this all season. But when you're going up and down the line, you're not giving the forwards many options in terms of where they can lead to. They've only really got one or two options. So uh, um, I, I put it on the midfield more than the forward line. Um, 23 to 18 free kicks wasn't really a factor. Hitouts 28 to 39, so Brian not disgraced. Uh, clearances 32 35, um, uh, but that killer stat 8 to 14 centre clearances, and I reckon the disparity probably equaled the margin just about. Uh, stoppage yeah. clearances were okay 24 to 21. Uh, contested possessions 118 to 130 in West Coast favour, uncontested as you'd expect. With our uh, handball stats, two seventy one to two thirty one, uh, two thirty eight, their favour. We turned it over a bit too much, sixty nine to fifty seven. Um, marks one hundred five to one eighteen. Uh, marks inside fifty eight to eleven. Uh, contested marks five to thirteen. Um, tells a bit of a story there. Although I'm surprised that we only had five contested marks because I reckon Riley O'Brien took more than that, and most of his were contested. So I don't yeah. quite. Don't quite believe that stat, to be perfectly honest with you. No. He, he took a either. lot of really good contested marks. Um, tackles 57 to 58. Uh, tackles inside 57 to 13, although I felt like, again, a lot of our tackles were getting broken or were kind of ineffective in terms of stopping a, a disposal. Uh, so we may have uh, retarded them physically, but they were still able to get a disposal off. Um, and uh, that's about it for... Um, uh, head-to-head stats there doesn't really seem to be anything there apart from the obvious which is for the amount of disposals that we had to only have 44 inside 50s and to only have an efficiency when going forward of 38% 2.5 to 
tells you everything you need to know about what's going wrong with the crows at the moment. Yeah, well, as I said, my, my two main points about what's wrong with them is that uh, I think our centre structures are, t- are terrible. Um, you know, when, you, when you've got a, a ruckman like Nananui, and you, you, you mentioned the hit-outs, I think, that, you know, that Rob held his own there. The only difference was Nananui hits them to a man and Rob just hits them. Um, mm. So, so in, 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 but the centre clearance has told that story too, didn't it? And yeah. uh, as you said, it'd be, it'd be lovely to have somebody on the defensive side for a bloody change. I mean... That is one area. I still just thought we were too top-heavy in the forward line. Um, um, I, I didn't see the need to bring Himmelberg in, um, but um, you can't just blame them, of course, because of the way the ball comes in has got a lot to do with it as well. So, um, I, in the first half, we, as you said, we started off horribly, with, and it looked like it was going to be a repeat of that thinking we're Geelong and we're going to try and do well, the not, keeping. Not, uh, the f- not the first half, the first 10 minutes probably. The first, that, that's what I said. First, no, you said the first half. So the start, I thought I said, didn't I? I don't know, I may have missed yeah. you again. No, you said the first half. Oh, sorry. In, well, in the first part, I think I said, of the first quarter, and we started doing that. And then, then we started to play the type of game that, does play go well for us where we use a fair bit of handball and a fair bit of run and it does open up the play and as you can, as Fiend's quite rightly said you can switch it at 45 degrees and catch them off guard etc and in the you know I'd say our first half got a tick and we did the things that we should be doing and we're playing a side that's basically supposed to be a good side but um, we're not in the second half we just as if that was a different team that came out after half time because we did none of that. And, um, well, basically, most of it really did start in the centre. Um, and as you mentioned, Yo, he was an absolute bullet. And, and several of those guys came from him bursting through there. So yeah. um, it, it, we just were, we, we, I just thought we looked so ineffective in the second half. Well, I, it was a different team that came out, Macker, in the second half, but I think it was a different West Coast team that came out in the second half. I think they lifted their intensity and we weren't able to go with them. And I think it led to um, uh, uh, our options drying up on transition, uh, poor decisions being made with ball in hand. I remember one situation where I think it was Rowe had the ball on the outer flank just outside 50 and Lockie Murphy, who's a left footer, runs boundary side of him, basically the side that would have favoured a right footer. And (laughs) Rowe's given it off to him and... Everyone, everyone in Australia knew that Lockie Murphy was going to have to try and get back on his left side, and it was a completely wasteful um, disposal. And, and instead of kicking to um, a leading option, James Rowe's gone boundary side, and then Lockie Murphy's just given it up. We made far too many poor decisions with ball in hand. Now, whether that's a lack of forward options, whether that's um, Mental fatigue, uh, I'm not, or just a lack of footy IQ. I'm not quite sure, uh, but there was lack far of footy too many... IQ in Rose's case. Well, and also in Murphy's case, in my opinion, he's a dumb footballer. In my opinion, oh, uh, he he actually, I think he was doing that more to take his player out so we could create the space. No, he was on his own. His player to follow him. It, it was no, on there his was own. A player but I'm not just talking about that instance. Lockie Murphy, over the course of his career, Nicky has shown that he is dumb because any two foot eight player that, that plays like he's six foot nine <laughs> is dumb and that's 
Murphy to a T. Um, you know, uh, we didn't have crumbing options up forward. Jimmy Rowe, it's all well and good to say Jimmy Rowe's good when he's up the ground. That's not what he's in the bloody team for. And I did. I, the, the only crumb that I saw him take was, I think, almost one of the last contested um, marking situations in the game, and that was the first time I saw him take a crumb. Uh, he's not. He's not the answer, unfortunately. He's a romantic story. He's not the answer, um, and we need to have a look at at that position very strongly, in my opinion. Well, the the problem is, and I agree with everything you said. Not no argument against anything you said against either of those two players. Who would we replace them with? Is the major point. Well, you know, um, I wouldn't be averse to um, playing Murphy a lot deeper because he does have a bit of goal sense. Right? Instead mm-hmm. of having Murphy playing up the ground and trying to outmark Ruckman and all the rest of it, play him at the forward's feet. Uh, the other one at the moment, and this is only because I don't think anyone in the twos as a small forward is ready yet, is uh, playing McHenry um, deeper in the forward 50. I know he can't kick goals, he can't kick over a jam tin, but in terms of being able to provide defensive pressure and at least get his hands on the agate and force a contest um, and maybe a stoppage in our forward 50, we've got more chance of McHenry doing that than we have Jimmy Rowe at the moment. But uh, but at the end of the day, Macker, I don't think we have a ready-made replacement. Uh, Trick Newchurch is at least a season away, in my opinion, uh, if he yeah, makes three it position. If he makes it at all. I, I've always had my doubts on Newchurch and... They haven't really gone away, to be honest with you. Um, or else it's a situation we've got to draft for. And that young lad in uh, the Sanford, Isaiah Dudley, uh, he'd, he'd be a nice little option up forward, I think. Yep. But um, to just dealing with what we've got at the moment... Um... Well, let me ask you a question, Mac and Nicky. And I know this will be... Uh, uh, this will be controversial, but... I'm firmly of the opinion that we made a mistake by getting rid of Tyson Stengel. I really am. Oh, no, no. I'm 100% on that camp. I, uh, I would have kept him. Other clubs would have kept him. Yep. I don't know. You know, we've done the, the high Richmond, and bit. Richmond got... haven't gotten rid of Sydney Sack, have they? No, they've had so many reasons to get rid of him. No, I definitely would have kept him. Yeah. Um, um, you know, I see, see somebody says, I don't think Stengel, N.T. Rabbit says, I don't think Stengel was anything. He was dead, 10 times bloody better than these, and he yep. would, he'd be at least stepping some goals. 100%. I agree. Uh, no one else picked him up. No, that's right. But uh, I tell you what, the Eagles are benefiting from that, and I bet you, I bet you anything that Stengel is back on an AFL list, if he keeps his nose clean, uh, pun intended, um, in the next 12 months. Either, either, in, <laughs> either in a supplementary draft or in a pre-season draft or in a mid-season draft next year. If his form line continues, uh, he will be back on an AFL list. He's too good a player not to be on an AFL list. What do you think, Nick? It's, it's, uh, the problem with him is his weight. And Dangle. we'd started to work on him, yeah. And he's, he has started to find down a bit, but he always carried that little bit of puppy fat. It goes um, every week. Oh, God, yes, he did. But for a lot of other clubs and the way the game's going, unless you had that tank like a McHenry, 
that's where the issue came in. But my God, does he have the talent? And you're you're right. He knows where the goals are. And I liked him in the side. I actually thought his his pressure was actually very good. Um, very and, disappointed with the way that the club handled that. Yeah. Uh, I know the club's got to have standards. Jadamay in the chat says the club's got to have standards. Absolutely. Have standards. But why drop him off the list? And not yeah, good for culture. It's not, it's not hurting bloody uh, uh, the Eagles at the moment. He's kicking goals. Anyway. And and for me, I actually think you're you're probably right regarding Murphy closer to goal. I don't mind McHenry being a bit up the ground every so often. Um, but Barry's that better option. And we need to solidly get Sloan out of the midfield. And he's a nice option that you can play around that half forward or a little bit deeper. Um, I, I think that's where the the best options could be for our forward line in terms of those smaller type players. Mm. Uh, look, I think what we're seeing now... Oh, Bob Davis, of course you take bets every day instead of Stengel, but, I mean, bets isn't available. Stengel was on our list, so that's a moot point. So I don't understand the point you're trying to make there. Um, and bets was cooked by the time he left anyway. Um, I think what we're seeing with our squad um, is uh, a distinct lack of talent and an exposure to this problem that we've had on our in our list for probably the last five years of that lack of 100-game player. That's what we're lacking at the moment. We're lacking two or three 100-game players, like a Wayne Millerer, um, you know, who's played that 70-odd games or whatever, 100 games, just uh, coming into the prime of their career. We've either got kids that are still learning or we've got blokes that are tapering. Yep, yeah, uh, there's no doubt about that. Um uh, we just don't we don't seem to have that happy medium, do we, with those players in the middle? Um, but the, the interesting thing is that when you start talking about some of the older players and um, Talia and who hasn't played at all, um, we had Lynch play for the first time today. Um, um, it's an interesting the way the coach is talking. They're not they're. Uh, I've got to try to discard them. And Rabbit's Rabbit's right to a degree. It is. It wasn't just sanctions. It was poor drafting. I mean, look at the blokes that we picked in the last two or three years that have that are no longer on a list. Not only with us, but with anyone. And Gallucci, uh, Paholki, You know these lads. They're they're nowhere. They're not in the AFL system. And these are these are lads that we took with guilt-head selections, you know, uh, we're going to salvage Chase as a small defender, which is a good outcome, but certainly not what we expected from that pick. Uh, Ned McHenry was baffling, in my opinion, at the pick that we took him. Um, You know, they are poor draft choices that have hurt us um, and contributed to that dearth of 23, 24-year-old player. Um, The only bloke that we've really got in the team is that is of that sort of age group is Darcy Fogarty. He's been on the list for you know five years or whatever, still struggling to get a game. Uh, Rashudo comments that he's still got to go another le- level with his fitness. If Darcy Fogarty isn't fit after this many years on an AFL list, then he doesn't deserve to be on a list. 
Simple as that. How can you not be AFL standard fit um, after five years on a senior list? It, yeah, that's and, and yet they were all talking about what great numbers he was doing over preseason and yep. how hard he's been working. So I've, you know, what's going on there? Yep. To me, I, that just found that's baffling. Yep. It, it was baffling, and he did strip fit it. I, I don't think it's so much about fitness with Fogarty. I think it's about body shape. I think he's a bit like uh, Tex was for a, a long period of his career in that he was just too bottom heavy. Um, and it, it, that even that lead that he made uh, that led to that fantastic goal, and you've got to give the kid credit, he can kick like just about nobody else in the competition. Fantastic. But even that lead that he made... When you looked at it from behind the goals, it was a loping lead. It wasn't fast. It wasn't dynamic. There was no burst to it. It was a loping lead. And he seems to need uh, three or four steps to get any steam up. And, uh, you know, that's because his legs are, are so heavy. So, I don't know. Uh, you know, what Darcy does is fantastic. But as we'll see shortly um, when we go through some individual stats, uh, it just doesn't do it enough. Right, back again, so you're obviously talking about the fog. Yeah, well, I was just saying, Mac, uh, I don't know whether it's about fitness with Darcy. I just think it's it's uh, the way he's so heavy-legged. He is very heavy-legged. Very think, heavy-legged. I don't think he's unfit in terms of tank. I just think it takes him a while to get going. Anyway. All right, let's look at some individual stats. Uh, the usual suspects at the top of the list, we had Rory Laird with 34 disposals, 15 kicks, 19 handballs, 4 tackles, 4 clearances. Uh, ben Keyes with 30, kick, uh, 30 disposals, 17 kicks, 13 handballs, 6 tackles, uh, as well as 337 metres gained. Now, come at me on Paul Seisman. Had 27 disposals. 16 kicks, 11 handballs, 7 marks, 3 tackles, 3 clearances, 590 metres gained. Hands up those who thought he had a good game. I'll put my hand up and say he could have had a good game. No, but that's, he that's, that's, yeah, I could have had a good game too, Mac. <laughs> Same. Uh, yeah, but no, he had enough possessions that he could have uh, had a good game, but see, he just burnt it time after time, unfortunately. Oh, uh, no. So, actually, our comment at the ground was, don't give it to Seisman. The chat hates my seed dislike. Uh, they hate it. But uh, look, and but a couple of times was, Seeds actually hit up targets and it was good, but so many times he just burnt it. Just so many yeah, times. There, there, were too, there were too many times it was he just either got himself in trouble, ran too far. Um, it, It's or he was just making – those kicks were just that little bit too high. Like, he'd make the right kick. He'd pick the right option, but mm. it was too much of a floater, which put it in the hands of the West Coast defenders. Yeah, yeah. 1990, I'll focus on this for as long as I damn well like because it's my bloody <laughs> podcast. <laughs> uh, but, no, we'll move on from Seisman. Uh, Smith in his 200th, uh, also 27 disposals, 21 kicks, six handles, 825 metres gain, but again – you know, that's an impressive number, 825 metres gained. But what benefit did we get out of it? We got 40-odd inside 50s at 38%. Are we still 
are we still going to say that Seedsman and Smith are providing us value when we're turning up those sort of inside 50 numbers? Well, uh, the only reason we, we, we would say that is by comparison to some of the other shocking games that have been played. But, um, I know what you're saying is right. That, that, you know, Factually that they could, right. <laughs> that they, could, they could actually uh, use the ball a lot better than they did. And, uh, yeah. But by the same token, um, they're at least getting the ball. And, uh, yeah, look, I, I thought Smith... I thought, I gave him, I'll give him a pass for his game. It wasn't a great game, but I, I thought it was a pass. Yeah. I think... Uh, here, here's my thing, right? I think there's value with Seedsman and Smith. Absolutely. Uh, they, they're good long-raking kicks. They get a lot of the ball on the outside. I think we need to be using those two blokes the same way that Alistair Clarkson used Isaac Smith and Ricky Henderson for 100 games and actually have them getting the ball forward of centre. I think when you get Seedsman and Smith getting the ball at or behind centre, you know what you're going to get. And I think opposition teams know what they're going to get. If you can get Smith and Seedsman the ball forward of centre so that their long-raking kicks are hitting 25 metres out instead of 45 metres out, it gives your small forwards an opportunity to push up. It gives your midfielders an opportunity to push up. And it actually allows you to get repeat 50s. Unfortunately, when Seedsman and Smith kick long to 45, the ball just bounces out. And I guess, you know, it's maybe it's not an indictment so much on those two players individually. Maybe it's more an indictment on the way that we're using them. It's that. To me, it's absolutely that because the players who should be getting it where they are getting the ball is our midfielders, our other midfielders. They're the ones who need to be doing that there and they don't. I'm trying to be very diplomatic here. I mean, Seedsman and Smith, between them, had nine score involvements in a low-scoring game. Um, You know, uh, they were very good. Only Schoenberg and Lynch had more. Um, you know, and together between them, they had 1,400 metres gained, so by far in our team, uh, the most metres gained. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're not getting value out of those two players. And you can see Geelong picked up Isaac Smith at the end of his career uh, when Hawthorne were rebuilding, and they picked him up for a very specific purpose, and that is to get the ball at centre, run his 15 to get to centre-half forward and then kick it long. And that Correct. gets the that gets the ball 15 metres, 20 metres out from Geelong's goal and that's Isaac Smith's value. And that needs to be more of how we use Brody Smith and Paul Seisman, in my opinion. And uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. There's a couple of people hanging shit on me for focusing on those two, and I'm not focusing on them because I think they're bad as such. What I'm trying to unravel is our up and down the lane transition because everyone, everyone uh, would agree. I think that our transition is no good when we get when we go up and down the lanes. Our transition is no good, and they're our ball carriers. They're our go-to players, right? So 
as I said, it's not about them individually as such. It's how we use them. How we use them. You know, Seedsman and Smith could be deadly in a structure where our transition works better and they're the last disposal in the chain. Um, so let's say that it's not a focus on Seedsman and Smith. It's a, it's a focus on our uh, the way we move the ball from our back half. I don't think I can be any more reasonable than that. And in fairness to them, I don't think they get given the greatest options up forward either when they do have the ball clean. I mean, I remember one particular one there, in particular with Smith, when he was uh, looking to kick the ball long, and he's looking around, and he didn't know where to kick the ball because all he had was two clusters to kick to. There's about eight on one side and ten on the other side, and that's they, they were his choices. No, yeah. nobody leading, and I remember that. And he, so he just kicked it as far as he could to win the clusters. Yeah, yeah. I don't disagree, Macca. There's lots of problems, and uh, you know, I, I still see a lot of problems with the way we transition the ball into our forward fifty. I, I would hate to be a forward player playing for Adelaide at the moment um, because there's just no system. The only time, the only time we look good moving the ball is when we hit up short passes, when we when we go through the corridor, when we look for 45-degree kicks, and we enter forward 50 from in front of centre every time without fail. Anyway, let's continue. Uh, Tommy Lynch had a Tommy Lynch game, 15 kicks, 10 handballs, 6 marks. Uh, good score involvements. Uh, I think he had what he have. Yeah, six score involvements. Um, you know, went at eighty-eight percent disposal efficiency and one smother. Um, you know, you know what you're going to get from Tommy Lynch, and he delivered. Uh, credit to him. He he gave us what he always gives us, um, and I can understand his inclusion in the side. Um, but again, we probably need to be moving on from Tommy eventually. Well, it's interesting because one of the commentators made that the exact point that he's that Lynch was playing a pretty reasonably good game, but he said, uh, and he made the point about what uh, Nick had said about the older, the older players and their futures and what they have to do to, to still be around. And he said, no, and I don't think he will be around next year. Mm. I uh, do you know do you know who I reckon Tom Lynch would suit? I reckon Tom no. Lynch. I reckon Tom Lynch would would fit into the Essendon side very well. And why do you say that, Pete? Well, just as that hit up option, they move the ball so quickly. He would give them. He would get so many looks, and he'll get oh, so, yeah. so many outlook outlet passes. I think he'd be perfect for them. Very good point, actually, because they do come out of uh, defence very quickly. Imagine him coming up the wing time and time again and then just chipping in that 45. You know, as long as they can teach him to run back off the mark, that'd be great. Uh, Sloney, <laughs> 25 touches, only seven kicks, though, and 18 handballs. Uh, wasn't bad in the first half, but really uh, tailed off after half time. Moved to a forward line, didn't have much impact there. Ten clearances, though. Uh, 161 metres gained. Um Five inside fifties, uh, three score involvements, only uh, oh yeah, seventeen contested possessions. So you know he was in amongst it, but I didn't feel like he had any real impact on the game, particularly after half time. Uh, very slack at following his man a lot defensively. Yes, 
Yes, Nikki, good yeah. observation once again. You are right on it. There was a there was a moment now. What quarter was it in? When what quarter after half time were Eagles kicking to the rivers, Riverbank stand end? Was that the last quarter or the third quarter? Third. Third. Yeah, so there was a third quarter where uh, uh, the Eagles got uh, took a mark at half back. Ned McHenry ran to stand the mark and waved Sloan to take McHenry's man who was running through. Sloan instead just zoned off nowhere and Ned McHenry's man was allowed to run through and I forget who it was, but they eventually got an inside 50. I'm not sure whether they... I'm pretty sure they got a goal out of it in the end. But it was certainly a, a scoring shot. But Sloaney just cantered after him and I just felt like... I feel like Rory's just playing... There's no passion in in Rory's game at the moment, in my opinion. There's there's no there's no intent in Rory's game. He'll always be a bull in the contest because I think that's just how he plays football. But in general play, there doesn't seem to be any urgency. Uh, it's a little bit of a worry, and uh, you know I would prefer him perhaps to see uh, sit out the scene with his finger and get the finger hundred percent right because um, I don't think he's really doing himself any good in the long run and. Um, you know the team's not winning, and so his contributions, uh, what we get, are wasted. And as you pointed out, he's sometimes he's not contributing what he should be contributing. So mm. it's not Rory Sloan of what was he was two years ago, um, and and it's a concern because he's got another two years on his contract. But if we're yeah. going to get this standard of football for the money we're paying for the next two years, it's going to be a bit rough. Um, no, I, I, somebody uh, says, you know, questioning Sloane's passion. It's not so much a matter of passion. It's a matter, matter of... He, he does try very hard when, he's in, in a, when there's a scrimmage-type thing around him. He goes in just as tough as he always has. But that wasn't the point we were talking about. The point was that um, about doing all the team things of following uh, your man and picking up loose men that somebody else is allowed to run uh, free. Um, and that's what he's not doing at the moment. Yeah, that defensive work, Macca. Um, you know, there's been a bit of suggestions, and, and Fadi reminded me there's uh, been a, a Twitter guy saying that Rory's playing to uh, trigger contract uh, terms. Uh, who knows? I don't know. But he, Rory Sloan doesn't pick the team. Um, so, you know. Anyway, uh, Jake Kelly had 23 touches, 16 and 7. Um, I'm not going to hang it on any of the defenders because I think they all tried pretty hard and were let down by the midfield quite consistently when you get that sort of service coming into the uh, into your defence. Um, it's always going to be a struggle, but I thought Jake battled on. Uh, he just doesn't need the ball 23 times, does he? Well, he, I thought he played reasonably well in getting the ball. I reckon he just about has possession of the ball longer than anybody else in the game because he takes so fucking long to kick it. <laughs> Seriously. Um, he... Yeah, he does. Oh, there, I mean, time we've, after time, we've there were leads everywhere. There were leads everywhere. And he's still standing there looking, looking, looking into low. Well, you know, you know he's going to go sideways. You know every time he's going to go sideways. Anyway. Um uh, McPherson was okay, I thought, without being fantastic. D-Mac had his usual 18 touches. Uh, Lockie Murphy had 16. Um, I'm just I'm skipping over a couple because I want to talk about them in more depth. 
James Rowe, uh, four kicks, 11 handballs. Um, let me just check James's score involvements here. See, this is the thing. Three score involvements from your, four, from your small forward, Mac. Not good. Three score involvements. Lockie Murphy only had Not two score involvements. No, sorry, Nick. Uh, Lockie Murphy only two score involvements. Um, Nemec Henry only three score involvements. You know, at least Fogarty had seven score involvements. So, you know, they're the sort of numbers that really make me worry about James Rowe. Um, Tex shouldn't have been there. He didn't look fit. Went up everything one-handed. Um... Sam Berry, I think, benefited from a little bit more time in the in the midfield rotation. Um, I'd like to see more of it. He got 12 touches, so it's still pretty quiet. But I just think they need to run him through the midfield more. Uh, Will Hamill worries me, Macker and Nicky. Um, he, got a, he was on Crips for a lot of the time, I think. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he uh, got about... I yeah, think he got, got either three or four on him. Yeah, he, four, he, I think. He destroyed him. Destroyed him. Uh, wrong Hamill. matchup. Well, it is the wrong matchup, Nicky. I don't think Will Hamill's a halfback flanker. I just think he's a wingman. And, Agreed. Uh, I, I think playing him in defence, he's too vulnerable one-on-one aerially. And you come up against a team like West Coast that are strong-bodied, have a lot of good marking forwards. Even their small forwards and mid-sized forwards are good in the air. They're all strong-bodied, and, and Will Hamill just can't compete um, aerially with any of those players. Um, so play him on a wing or don't play him, in my opinion. Um, Fogarty, again, only 10 touches, 7 and 3. Um, what he did, he did well, but he faded um, after a promising start. Elliot Hemmelberg, 10 touches, only took two marks. Um He's in the team to take marks. There was no excuse for him not taking marks. He dropped marks he should have taken. Um, so pretty nothing game from him. Geordie Butts did it uh, pretty well, I thought. Nick Murray, I thought, did very well. There were some people... You love Murray. There were some people on the chat bagging Murray uh, today. And I'm not going to name <laughs> I don't Submariner. know football. I'm not going to name Submariner um, on the chat. But No, you won't. <laughs> But um, I just couldn't understand it. Nick Murray laid some very timely spoils on leading players, which is, as anyone who has played football knows, trying to defend a, a leading player when you're caught behind, trying to get a fist in to spoil a, a lace-out pass is probably the hardest thing to do in football, I reckon. And he did it at least three times. I thought Nick was really good. I like Murray. I think he's got a future. And... Um... Uh, I thought he, I thought he did pretty well, and uh, but, uh, oh, but, has had a very great year, and I, and I thought he played well again today. He couldn't, neither, I, neither those boys could have done much more than they did. Yep, and yeah, with, with Murray, that that those way that he is able to spoil around a player as mm. they're on the move mm. and not give away a free kick, it's just like how long your arms, dude. I mean, they were just amazing to watch. And you could see that West Coast then figured out, we've got to try and block him out. They yeah. were very much after that. They're just like, because this he's just going to chop off everything. And he also does it really well when he comes across the side, the contest, because that's really hard to yeah. stop. He's got good closing speed, Nick, and uh, he's got good extension. 
Um, he's a good defender, and as I've said countless times, I think he's a swingman. I'm surprised they haven't swung him forward a few times um, because he is his attack on the ball in the air is fantastic. Um, it is. I agree. I really so, like him. I'm pleased we've got him for another two years. You know, uh, the guy on chat was bagging him because, uh, you know, that scrimmage in the forward pocket where he got the ball and kicked it uh, and was blocked by a West Coast player, spilled out and they got a goal and said he was a dumb footballer. Well, he's he's a 195-centimetre key defender. Um, he's not the guy who should be scrimmaging for the ball. <laughs> you know? Uh, so, you know, I, I like him. Uh, and Lucky Shoal obviously didn't get a lot of time um, on the ground, so a bit hard to judge his performance. So the the ones that I want to talk about, firstly, my boy Harry, and uh, I could, you know, wax lyrical about Harry's game today and his progression. 24 touches, 15 and 9, 8 marks, 6 tackles, pardon me, 6 clearances. Uh, he had 7 score involvements, Four intercepts, ten contested possessions, sixteen uncontested possessions. Uh, was able to play his own game a little bit more. He was didn't have a tagging role that I could see uh, during the game, and uh, certainly his, in my opinion, his best game in club colours. And uh, I just it's consistent can't get enough of him. Yeah, he's going to be a, a very, very good player for us for a, a very, very long time. He, he's a two hundred game play. He, he's really got he's really got great ability. He's got, uh, and he always seems to just uh, be still fresh. You know, even in the fourth quarter, he's still got plenty of running run in him. Um, he's and uh, I, I just think next year he's going to be an extremely good player with this with all this uh, experience underneath his belt. He does try to negate at the centre bounce when he's there. Yep. Um, he's one of the few that does. So, and I, I thought you're quite right, Fee. I thought he, he's probably our best player today. Um, oh, no doubt. And, and no uh, doubt. Yeah, he's got a very, very bright future because he, he just sorry, does it right. Mac, do you know why he's able to uh, remain uh, a factor in contested situations? Because a lot of our players, they will be so concerned about their player that they won't actually watch the ball and watch where the ball's going. Harry, even though he's mindful of of, uh, who's around him, he always watches the ball. He always keeps his eye on the ball in close and therefore he's able to react very quickly when the ball spills out or when there's an opportunity. And I, I watched him today intently in contested situations and he does not worry about his... He doesn't look at his man. He, he gets touched when he needs to. But he's always watching the ball. Excellent point, mate. Excellent point. And you'll notice that all the good mid- midfielders do exactly that. Yeah. Yeah, there was one... Uh, I think it was a boundary throw-in. Uh, and uh, uh, when the ball went out, he was near the boundary. Um, and he sort of ran away. And I thought, oh, you must be running back into the middle. And then all of a sudden, he got the clearance, and he he got that clearance from about ten meters away from the round, uh, boundary throw-in, like where the ruckman contested. And it was all about judgment and uh, separation. And I, I just he is a, he is a, a natural ball winner, like uh, JNM says in the chat. He's got natural ball sense, and uh, I'm telling you right now, 2024 Macca, put your mailbox on him for the chat. He is tracking nicely. <laughs> 
Okay, mate. Uh, the other one, uh, and I'm happy to, to say this, I thought Chase Jones also had his best game in Crows Colours, albeit down back. 15 disposals, 11 and 4. Um, took four marks, laid a tackle. Um, I saw him lay more than one tackle. Uh, 247 metres gained. Uh, whoops. Sorry, just bear with me a moment. Um, yeah. Um, where are you, Chase? Uh, five intercepts. Uh, disposal let him down, only 46.7%. Uh, four contested possessions, nine uncontested possessions. We probably have found Chase's niche. I don't think he's got much to offer anywhere else. But I think running in straight lines out of defence and attacking contests and attacking bodies, I think is Chase's forte, don't you? Yeah, look, at, I, as Billy Poor I said, he's, he's getting more confidence by the week. And he actually played today like he felt he belonged in the side. No apologies for being there. He, yep. he, play, he played as if I am the man that's got to get the ball. Spent a lot of time on, uh, what's his name? Liam Jones? Brian. Liam Ryan. Ryan, yep, and uh, held him pretty well, I thought. Yeah, well, he he did. I mean, there there was that one, you know, that nice little fake out and everything else. You could see what it gave him the space, and he was trying to cover it. And it didn't quite work. Yeah, but I didn't mind that from Chase because to me, the the rest of the game that he played, the way he backed up his other defenders, left his men when he could, he was very effective. I, to me, when we talked about him a couple of weeks ago, we said he, he's possibly the brand replacement, and and that's what he looked like today. Absolutely looked like today. Yeah, I felt like he provided us what Brownie would normally provide us when Brownie's in form. Um, and uh, yeah, it's nice to see that we're we're making something out of a missed opportunity at pick nine or whatever he went. Also, not the worst. So, that's. Uh, are there any other players you want to talk about, UT? Because I've pretty much gone I, through. Them. I actually, I liked Rob's game. Oh, sorry. Around yes. The, around the ground, I thought he played really well. He, like, he outmarked Nick Nat a couple of times. Oh, a um, lot of times. Yeah, and the the way he worked him, and then oh, whoever their other ruckman was, he just had him. Oh yeah, um, he pants the other guy. He absolutely pants the other guy. Uh, a couple of times I thought the umps did him dirty um, where there should have been marks that were paid to him um, or he should have been had some interference paid. But I just thought he, he just played a really nice, solid game. And it was – we were worried about Rob the first half of the year. He seems to have whatever had was going wrong, injuries or whatever with his hands. He's just the confidence in the way he was clunking marks and just a nice game from Rob today. Yeah, my, my only criticism of Rob, and it's the same one I make every week, um, look, he, his effort is fantastic. Um, he's around the ground. He gives, he gives us a lot. Um, but when, when, we, when he does get hit out, so not necessarily direct, directed to a player, um, and also he does struggle with players that have either got long arms or players that can jump a lot. Um, that's my one criticism of him. But I would never criticise criticise him for not giving a hundred percent, and uh, and 
even in spite of the th negatives I've said against him, he's still a positive in the, in our side in the sense that he gives more than uh, a lot of other players do. So um, he's not the perfect ruckman that I'd like to have in our side. I'd love to have a beautiful tap ruckman that could put it down somebody's throat so we could get those clean breakaways from the centre. Uh, but uh, apart from that, I thought, you know, Rob's game is good apart from that. How many... Um... How how many ruckmen in the competition can do what Nick Nat does? Uh, well, don't Grundy Nick can. Nat? Grundy Grundy's very good at it. Yeah. Um, um, the uh, the that Sydney picked up for Tough and Tapley, and um, he's been about ten clubs. What's his name? Left, uh, left footer. And he, he's doing a very he's doing a great job for them. And uh, not many is the answer, but there's exactly. Hickey. Thank you very much. Yeah, but Hickey, he's been rucking very well. Um, and of course, you've got Gorn, Gorn Matthew Gorn. So that's at least four. Um, well, I wouldn't I'm put. Sure I wouldn't could... say that Hickey can do what Nick Nat does. Hickey wins a lot of taps, but he doesn't get hit outs to advantage like Nick Nat does. I, I would say Nick Nat, Grundy, and Gorn are the three standouts. Goldstein on his day. Um, can do it. Uh, there's a couple of ruckmen on their day that can do it, um, but but not I guess, consistently like the others. I, I guess what I would say, yeah, Ryder maybe in the past, but not consistently. Oh, anymore. no, he, he, he still plays well. Yeah, but not not to the same degree, not not at the same level as. Um, the the, Nat the point I'm making is that, if, but if you know, if Rob could had the if he could. We find his game to get the ability to actually palm a ball to to our players. Yeah. Then uh, we, we would we would be much better off. Yeah, but then we'd have to pay him eight hundred thousand a year, Mac. Uh, I think that I, I guess the point that I'm getting at is that as much as uh, we lose in O'Brien's inability to um, to get hit outs to advantage, we he is valuable to the team when he drops back and takes those intercept marks. And when he and he, when he dominates a ruckman around the ground, he showed up Nick Nat around the ground. Nat knew he was not interested in ground play around the ground. He really wasn't. He and Riley O'Brien's assessment of Nat Nui is one hundred percent spot on. He's a lazy footballer who relies on his talent. And um, he, uh, I don't, I can put up with O'Brien as long as we're realistic, as we mentioned earlier. Mac about how we set up to him. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I'm yeah, not I, again, I, 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 no, you're right. Uh, I'm I'm happy with O'Brien getting his thirty odd hit outs and and you know five or six hit outs to advantage. I think O'Brien's good at boundary throw ins. Uh, I think he's good at stoppage he's, work. Yeah, he's quite good at those. I just think it's his centre centre ruck work, and you know, um, if we can if we can set up to uh, accommodate how O'Brien rucks, uh, and and really be honest about when he's in a position where he's not going to win the rucks against a leaping ruckman, uh, then we'd be better off. We saw it last week against Essendon, where we set up too aggressively, and um, what's his name Draper was just jumping all over him. Mm. And uh, we got found out. We have to be able to recognise when O'Brien's going to get jumped over and set up defensively. Well, exactly. I 100% agree with that, Fane. 
you know, and the value that as, as long as O'Brien's giving us value around the ground, and my worry was that he really did drop off from last season's form in the first half of the year, but he seems to be timing his jumps a bit better in marking contests. He seems to be taking the ball at the top of its at the top of his leap now. Um, and that's when he's at his best. He, so. he did some really beautiful um, bodywork and positioning before the fall of the ball, so he was reading it really nicely. Yeah. Um, so I, he I don't, he took some, some really good ones in front of me all day. You know, I would love to have Brodie Grundy, uh, you know, a, a fit and informed Brodie Grundy, um, but we don't, and uh, I don't think there's any hanging around, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's a lot worse in the competition than Riley O'Brien, I think, when Riley O'Brien is, is playing well around the ground. Yeah. Well, you know, when it, it's not just him. There's a lot of positions that we need somebody uh, better than what we've got. Well, I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't think, uh, I wouldn't think O'Brien's a problem at this stage, Macca. We've got far too many other Oh, problems. no. Well, that's, that was the point I was making. That um, what I we we've got a, a centre bounce problem with him, um, and that also partially belongs to the coaching, and also belongs to the other mids as well, uh, the way they set up. But um, yeah, um, I, I'm quite happy to go along with him, and because we've got well, the point I'm trying to make is even though I'm not a hundred percent happy with him, we've got a lot of other areas. We need a lot more priority back, and what we really need is that, that those fast quick mids that we don't have yeah well I mean alright I'm going to put a couple of things to you before we finish up I don't want to go too much longer um, but let's not forget let's not forget that our squad profile at the moment sees a lot of very young kids and I think we may the problem is that when we play well and when another team is slightly off its game, like a, like a Melbourne, uh, when we played them, and when we bring intensity and hunt the ball, um, you know, it, that that looks really good. But it probably masks the fact that in order to be able to do that week in, week out, we need another 50 games into about half half a dozen blokes. And I guess yeah. this is the problem that I have with playing blokes like Kelly and David McKay because the scoreboard doesn't matter a shit at the moment. And we've got blokes like um, Gallant and Cook in the twos uh, and the young lad that we played earlier for five minutes, Josh Worrell, who we, we, almost, <laughs> we played Josh Worrell when he was tapering off because he is a kid, right? He had a couple of good games. We should have put, brought him in. Unfortunately, we brought him in after five good games and he was tapering off and then we set him up to fail. And I think this is what happens at selection far too often. We we seem to set these kids up to fail instead of setting them up to succeed. And, you know, Cook and Gallant, they've been up for a little while now. And um, I just feel like there was an opportunity when McAdam came out. There was an opportunity um, instead of bringing... Uh, Tommy Lynch in, we could have brought in one of those lads um, you know, Ned McHenry could do with the rest we could have brought in Cook for him but we just seem to be there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason with selection at the moment and I, I'm just not getting it I don't think it's just about silk on the outside although I obviously agree that we need that silk on the outside 
But we've got players that we drafted last year who are not going to get a game this year. And we'd be one of the few teams in that position, in my opinion. Um, well, we've actually played every player that we drafted last year par one, which is cool. Well, when did we draft Gallant? The year before? Yeah, the year before. Well, that's even worse then, isn't it? And Worrell, the year before. Yeah, well, they had injuries, so don't forget. Yeah. No, I'm just saying, but we the ones this year, we have actually have played all but one. Yeah, but we've still got those players in the twos. And Borlace we drafted last year, he hasn't played. Yeah, uh, I think he's a development player, and, and I think he will eventually make the grade. And um, you know, well, you're missing the point, Macca. You're missing the point. Why play David McKay and Jake Kelly? Why? Well, Jake Kelly's actually his form justifies it. Thing. It's very hard to, to say that he doesn't. Uh, if you go through week by week by week. Uh, given all the, uh, the weaknesses that he has got, and which is basically his uh, slow movement, his form is good. Yeah, well, I look forward to Jake Kelly being 43 when we're, when we're going for a flag next. <laughs> That's not the point. The point it is... It is that, exactly uh, the point. The scoreboard doesn't matter, and Jake Kelly is not part of our next Premiership winning team. So why bloody play him? The point is that even when you're playing the young lads, you still have to have some experience around them so they don't just get absolutely absolutely slaughtered. Have you noticed what and Jake Kelly does when he's got the ball? Have you noticed what Jake Kelly does when he's not given the ball? He yells at his teammates when he doesn't get given the ball and he kicks sideways when he's got it after 10 minutes of hatching it. I, I'm not saying... It, I'm not going to apologise for saying what I think. No, I, I'm not asking you to. What, I, what, I, what, I, what I'm saying is that I'm not a fan of him, but he's playing well, and he's holding that position down, and until you've got somebody that you can say is bursting at the seams to take his place, then um, I think that he plays. So, so which player that we've brought in for games this year has been bursting at the seams? Well... Which been None of them. We we played Riley Tilthorpe after he'd been less than impressive in the twos. We just played him. And at the time, we said we just needed to play him. Remember? There, there's not been one player that we've brought in that has been bursting at the seams to play. Nicky, you are very quiet back there. What do you think? No, I'm actually, Fiend's made an incredibly good point there, is that when kids have deserved to play, like Cook and Gallant, we're not playing them. Pedler wasn't setting the world on fire when we brought him in. Tilthorpe, you heard how scathing I was uh, against him in those first couple of games, and they brought him in, and I'm just like, what the hell? He then actually showed something um, in the AFL team, but he hadn't in the SNFL side, I would never have picked him up. To me, he still had a lot to learn before you dump him into that position of the AFL side. Now, a little bit wrong, but he has kind of uh, faded out. Um, But none of those kids 
have actually Borla is the start of the year. It was actually playing very nicely. You said mm. he's going to be a um, you know, he's, but he was playing very well at the start of the year against a very solid SANFL. Yep. Experienced some, big body there's some, players. There's some big forwards in the SANFL and he was holding his and own. He was, oh my god, was he what? Um and, and Fiend's absolutely spot on about Worrell that we set him up to fail. That he'd started to tire a little bit and he wasn't getting as many possessions, wasn't playing as proactive. He should have been in earlier than what he was. And Jad in um, the chat makes a very good point. Very good point. Good luck trying to dominate in our SNFL side week in, week out. When you've got 10 bloody ring-ins, there's no way. You know, and our SNFL side hasn't been doing too bad over the last few weeks. But early on in the season, it was bloody difficult. I, I just don't see the point, Macca, in playing Jake Kelly, David McKay, even Lachlan Murphy for that matter. When we've got... Why would you play Lachlan Murphy when young Braden Cook's been been actually playing well for the last month? Why would why would you play Lachlan Murphy as a high half forward? Why? I would, agree. No, I would agree with you on that one. That's, well, what, that's, I'm what, I'm, that's what I'm saying to you. And in that, in that particular position, Lachlan Murphy's no gun. He's no star. He doesn't get the ball a lot. And uh, You're Cook calling can... Jake Kelly a star and a gun? No, no I'm not calling him a uh, But he has been holding his position, and he, he has not been... He hasn't had been beaten or thrashed any, any game this year. He's um, made some terrible I, mistakes and cost goals on numerous occasions. He is by many no players. means... As, yeah, young players... Jake Kelly's a senior player, right? And he is not untouchable by any stretch. Coming back to Cook, yes, I think that Cook is probably at the very right stage where he should be given a game and a, and a try. But uh, I, I think, it, look, Jake Kelly, uh, it's no point arguing about him because he's going to get picked every week anyhow. Um, That's not and, the point. And I think, and I th- but I think he's a, it's very hard to say, well, we're not, we're not playing you because when you are uh, holding your position now. I, I, just, I just think there's so many positions where we are uh, getting beaten in um, that, that we should worry but, more about those. But on that, though, Macca, holding your position down is fine when you've got a team that's actually playing well. It's where we are as a club at the moment and what we Nick. need to be t- what we need to be doing. Now, I do agree with your point that we've got to have some balance of between some senior, more experienced players and some of these kids coming in because you don't, there's that balance you've got to do because you don't want to get, you know, smashed off the park. But but you know what? We've got senior players in and we're getting smashed off the park. 100%. So it's... It's frustrating me at the moment because I can see a couple of those kids. I haven't been able to go the last couple of their NFL games, but what I had seen from some of them is like they need to have a little bit of a chance. They need to be given that taste to actually see what that step up from the NFL to the AFL is. You can't get that at training. You can only get that when you're actually in a game. And... Like we said earlier on the cast, like with Pedler, he shouldn't have had two games. He needed a bit more of a block um, because he's going to be a very good player. Um, and, I, and I think we've, we've made some errors that 
we did because we actually started playing well at the start of the year. So we backed in those senior players when the kids were actually playing well in the SNFL and they deserved an opportunity to come in. I, I think we've just had those couple of similar issues that have just made me kind of drop off Nick's a little bit and some of the things he's been saying. I thought there was some nice promise, but there's a couple of things that have been happening lately that I'm just like, mm, they need to be fixed soon. Billy Otherwise, Foros. I think... Billy Foros, sorry, Nick, to cut you off. Billy Foros yeah. names another good player. Davis had one game again. If any, If any kid on our list has been has been set up to fail. It's Ben Davis, right? Completely. And, again, we bring in Tom Lynch at Ben's expense. Ben, I know he's been playing in defence in the SNFL for the large part of this season, but he predominantly has been a hit-up forward. Now, why didn't we give him an opportunity to play as a hit-up forward if that's the type of player that we want? Why the hell did we bother with Tommy Lynch, who's not even been re-signed yet? We haven't even re-signed Tom Lynch. No, why well, are we coach, him? well, the coach has said that whether he gets resigned or not depends on how his form goes and whether uh, he feels that he will still fit into the team at the end of the year. I, I think what he's trying to do is, is get a little bit of form there so if we get a trade, we get, might get something for him. Yeah, well, possibly. But, you know, if we're willing to play, and I've got 1990 here, we'll get to you in a sec, 1990. If we're going to play one player to showcase his skills on the trade table, then why can't we drop Drake Kelly to try and give a young kid a, a run? Like, where's the where's the consistency in the philosophy? I don't understand it. Well, it depends on age. It's about age. Um, the the whole point is you talk about play. I mean, Kelly's twenty five, twenty six. Twenty six. He's not. He's not one hundred and three. He's um, not the future, Macca. No, but it, but he can also help the young players get in as they progress to the future, and eventually he gets dispensed with. Is but, he a leader? Um, is he? I don't want but, our young young players learning from Jack Kelly. Okay, yeah, mate. We're well, to the board. Yeah, I just make three onto one now, but doesn't matter. Look, um, we, everybody, opinions are like assholes. We've all got one, and that's mine. And I'm just going to stick to it. What's yours, Donny Nani? Well. I've been getting quite worried with our selection going on about six or seven weeks. Um, we've had a we had a pretty good season up until midway through, despite playing a number of players um, who I consider not part of our future and not particularly helping um, drag us to that next phase that we need to go to. Well, I understand the philosophy of you need to have uh, senior players around young kids. Um, but the senior players that we're talking about, they've never been really A, B or C grade AFL players. They're D grade AFL players. And yeah. they're, they're not the senior players. Um, if you're going through a rebuild, you need to be surrounding these young kids because they're not actually um, adding any value at all. But that's not necessarily true. I mean, say, for example, you put another young kid down in Kelly's position, he had 23 disposals, and you put somebody there who got three disposals. That'll be 20 disposals less coming out of the back line. And also, you know, there might be another five, six, maybe ten goals to get scored against you. And uh, if you, same, you get rid of McKay, and yeah. you put somebody yeah. else there. And but, the uh, but, unless is, you, but unless you, you know do it, you, you don't. Unless you do it, you don't know, Mac. 
Well, the whole point is there is when you're bringing a lot of young players up, and we are bringing a lot of young players up, you've got to have a balance at least so they don't get kicked off the park by 20, mm. 25 goals. Yeah. And because once you do that, you're going to ruin their futures as well. Yeah, I know. And that's what's happened to Murray and, Be- and Butts. You know, with no senior K- KPDs in the, in the team, that's what's happened to Geordie Butts and I, Nick Murray. Both of them have... Both, of, both but Murray and Butts have actually excelled in the absence of Daniel Talia. Oh, absolutely, they have. I mean... Uh, so what you you're just, saying is flawed, Macca? No, it's not flawed, because you're saying they're going to apply to every player you bring in. It won't well, you don't apply know until player. you try them. Well, we have tried a few, and within that... What, Josh Worrell in the wet for five minutes against St Kilda for, up for in Cairns, and that's trying yeah. him? Come on. Come on. I've already agreed that one was an error and he should have been brought in. Well, he, comes in, he comes in for Jake Kelly. We had another injury at the time that he could have come in for at that, that particular time. Um, but uh, and Worrell has been stiff. I, take, I, I totally agree about that. But there's not too many others. <sighs> Look, I, I, two games. I, over the last five years, we have had so many players that have dropped off our list untested that it's ridiculous. And it's been at the expense of blokes like Jake Kelly and David McKay. It's not and, a, it's not an isolated... Yeah, sorry, absolutely right, 1990. Anyway, 1990, you're here. Have a, have a crack. Uh, I just... Yeah, I, I completely agree with what you're saying here, Finn. Uh, we've, our club's completely fearful of youth, despite that's where we currently are. We're in a rebuild... Um, and the only way out is to play the youth and hope that they come good because our recruiting is good enough. Now, the the jury is definitely out on our recruiting department based on what we've seen in the last five or six years. Um, no, I don't, I don't think out. that's a battle. No, the jury's not out. Guilty. They're guilty. Um, but we need to make the most of what we've got available um, and whether whether we have to just bite the bullet and go and go again for another one or two seasons because this three builds failed, you know, the proof will be on the pudding. Um, but I, I just think we're, we're really treading water at the moment and the season's getting worse as the week goes on, as the years go, uh, the weeks go on, sorry. And I think even last year, you remember the last five or six games, we, we had a big purple patch and everyone got quite excited as to what 2021 might might see, um, but currently I'm devoid of confidence. Um, someone in the chat, and I don't remember who it was, uh, my apologies, uh, it might have been J&M, said that Worrell did struggle in his first game. So did uh, Jamara Uhagen struggle in his first game. Went all right this week. Uh, you cannot judge a kid by one game. Ben Davis has been judged on two single games. Josh Worrell discarded after two after one game Luke Pedler discarded discarded after two games um, you know Lockie Scholl seems to be in and out now um, yes we've played, played heats of youth yeah. but the fact is that we need to play heats of youth because our, here's the bottom line as far as I'm concerned and I'll argue to the grave on anyone with anyone on this the reason why we're in the position that we are after after making a grand final in 2017 is that a lot of our senior players just aren't that good. 
And so there's no value in playing those senior players because they're just not that good. Why play them? Blokes like David McKay, Jake Kelly, etc., Lachlan Murphy, they're just not that good. So why bother playing them when we've got kids in the twos that we're going to have on the list for two to three years who have played five games? It's absolutely ridiculous. Like, why isn't Braden Cook playing? He's been dominating SANFL for a month. So he? Exactly. Braden Cook. Braden Cook. Yeah, no, he should, I said it, he should be given a go. I agree with you. But, well, well, why isn't he? Well, I'm not a selector. I can't answer. Oh, no, 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 Macca. Don't this fall back on that. <laughs> Don't fall back on I'm not a selector or the club does what the club wants to do. What's your opinion? I already said he should, he should be given a go. He said it three times. Yeah, but why hasn't he been given a go? What's your opinion on why he hasn't been given a go? I can't answer that because I don't select the side. I would be. Oh, that's a, that's a ridiculous argument. It's a ridiculous well, argument. What, what if an, uh, what do you, answer do you want? Well, I want your insight into what you think the club is thinking by choosing to leave a bloke like that out. I can't answer that because I would pick him. So um, you'd have, no, I'm you'd asking have to you ask what, why you think the club is choosing to leave him out. Why do you think they are? I have no answer to it because I, because I would be picking him. I, I don't know why they're not picking him. I know you don't know. I'm asking what you think. And I'm, what I'm saying is, from where it looks to me, it's systemic. It's actually not an aberration. It's a trend that has gone back for years with this club where we let kids sit in the twos... Uh, I can remember a few. Remember a, a kid called Harry Deer, Nick? Harry Deer tore I it up. I Harry. Harry Deer tore it up in his first season in, at SANFL level, didn't get a look in, um, lost interest, and he's gone from the system. He may you know, have been an AFL player, we'll never know. He was, oh, fantas- he, I think, he was fantastic for the Lovers League. I think he would have made amazing AFL player. Because what we look at in Tilthorpe, Deer had that. Absolutely. Deer was really quick. Oh, my God, was he quick off the mark. Just some There's, of the stuff I could see him do in the SNFL below his knees as well as being a great mark. The, the and trouble we didn't is, give him the chances. And the problem is that we don't turn over these players quickly enough, right? We kept Jordan Gallucci on the list. You either play them or you discard them. You don't keep yep. them on the list. And what we do, we just keep them on the list and we keep playing the senior players and never giving them an opportunity, and then we just end up discarding those players when they're they're being played out of form in the twos, they no longer think they're going to make it, they're discouraged, all the rest of it. We don't actually nurture these kids. Have a look at the Western Bulldogs. Maka, how many how many new players do you think the Western Bulldogs have played this season? They've played the most players of uh, any, any team in the competition, I know that. Um, so they've played quite a few. Um, which they can afford to do because they have got a body of senior players that are that are very very top of the grade uh, players. So A-class, why didn't we? Do, why didn't player. we do? Why didn't we do the same in twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen? Why well, didn't we do the exactly, same? If you ask that question, then you're talking correctly because they are the people that have made, that have caused this situation. Well, and that's what I'm saying to you. But it hasn't changed. It's the same policy. Hasn't changed since the change in the regime. It's been exactly the same. I mean, we've played kids because we've had no choice. 
You know, they, they pick kids because they've had no choice but to pick kids. But you're still seeing blokes like Tom Lynch and David McKay and Lachlan Murphy and bloody Jake Kelly in a side that they're not they're not A-grade um, players, those senior players. They're not A-graders. So cast them off. Play the youth. Use those players, use those senior players as backups. We've got to play. It doesn't matter whether we get belted. Right? And history has shown that when you get a, a group of young players together, they'll try, they'll play for each other, they'll try their guts out. It's been. Does anyone remember the baby bombers of the nineties? You know they want a freaking flag. They shouldn't have been anywhere near it. You've got to give kids the opportunity. Yeah, my my fear is that in three or four seasons' time, this will all result in a lost generation of players that never actually truly reach their potential because we haven't played them. Well, who in particular? Uh, Padler, Warren, Warrell, sorry, Mackesy, uh, Cook, Gallant. Um, there's half a dozen there. Oh, and the list will keep going when we draft them next year, unless things change. So who are you going to put out to put all, if you, all those five players in? Well, well I just uh, named Kelly. them. Lynch, 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 Lynch Kelly, Sloan, McKay, Murphy. So so let me let me ask you this, Macca, and it's, look, I don't want to be a pile on a Macca, but you're the one with the opposing view, so I'll ask you. I'm allowed Which, to have one. Yeah, no, no, no. Yes, I'm you saying are. That. <laughs> I, I'm, so who of Lynch, Sloan, Kelly, David McKay or Lachlan Murphy would be a walk-up star in any other AFL club in the competition? Who of Lynch? Lynch. Uh, at his no, no, no. Well, Not at his best right now. Lynch, Sloan, Kelly, McKay, Murphy. Uh, I think Kelly would get a go. With who? I'm sure out of the other 17 clubs, there would be a club that would take him. Okay, so that's one. Yep. Um, Sloan, uh, I think he probably would get a game somewhere else. Really? Okay. Yep. I don't. I think he would. And uh, Lynch, well, okay, but I, I'm, he could well be playing at another club next year, but uh, you, you would be busting your ass to get him. But, and Murphy, no. Nobody, nobody would be busting would, their bum you... to get him either. So people would be busting their ass to get Jake Kelly and David McKay. Um, I can, um, they wouldn't. They're not necessarily busting their uh, ass to get them, but uh, I think Kelly would play get a game in another Here, team. Yeah. Here's the point that I'm trying to make. None of those are what I would call first twenty-two players in any other team in their current form and on their current trajectory. I'll probably grant you Jake Kelly because I could see him slotting into a, a Gold Coast Suns on a half-back flank or something like that. Yeah, predominantly no, right? So why do we bother playing them? Like Rory Sloan isn't providing any leadership on the ground. Tom Lynch doesn't provide anything on the ground. Jake Kelly mouths off all day and doesn't actually follow the the team ethos in terms of ball movement. David McKay doesn't is not a leader. Lachlan Murphy is not a leader. So their experience doesn't matter one little bit. 
Yeah, well, look, I've got nothing else to say. Um, I, I think that my last comment on it is, is that you have to have some sort of balance where you do have to have uh, some, whether they're classy, whether they're uh, not classy, whether they're just medium, uh, you've got to have some form of senior players in there as a balance to the juniors. We've got a lot of juniors in our team if you go through the team. We've got a lot of them. And you can't play 22 juniors, so you've got to have some senior players in the team to balance it up. And Who's, who's been our best midfielder this year? Um, if you're going to say Harry, he was this week, no, but he hasn't been all year. Of course not. Ben Keyes. No, well, Lead would have been our best midfielder, or no. Keyes, possibly. Keys. I, would say, I would say Keyes. Yeah. Right. So he's a young player. What is he, 24, 23, yep. something like that? Same age as Miller. Yep. Um, yeah. Where are we, no, on, where it, are we it, on the ladder, Macca? Where we so deserve to be. For all, so, so we've got Tech second in the Coleman. We've got, you know, Rory Sloan, the club stalwart. We've got uh, Rory Laird, who, granted, is probably our best inside midfielder without any question about it. Um but we're 17th on the ladder. These senior players aren't adding any value. Even a bloke like Paul Seisman, really, uh, probably because of the way he's being played, Brody Smith, the same, not probably probably because of the way he's being played, is not adding any value. Yeah, well, I, I think we're, we're just being circular at the moment because I just think that getting names, you do need a certain amount of senior players to balance up the team and uh, you give the young boys a chance and uh, when they don't, when they sort of get tired or when they don't uh, perform, you bring another young lad in and give them a go. You don't bring any more senior players in there, you, go, uh, you have that particular balance and that way the younger players will get more confidence in, uh, over time. If you had 22 younger players out there, which is, I'm not, I'm not saying you're suggesting that, but if you went to the extreme and had 22 young players out there, they'd, they'd collapse in a heap and then you'd ruin their, their future forever. Like we're sitting 16th, so we're not collapsing, collapsing in a heap. And well, it, 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 it's it's called a rebuild thing. It's, being, it's called a rebuild. It's not... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but, but Macca, on, on your point of having those senior players around them, so if we take Kelly out and you put a younger player in, we've still got Smith down there. You've still got a senior player and probably I would say a better, a, a better senior player in terms of being able to give directions and coaching because we know we've actually got that from Smith. He's better at that than Kelly is. And he's more proactive. So he's the type of player we actually want to be more in control of the back line. And, and as 1990 said, there's also, even though he's a young player, Duday, when he's playing, he is that le- he's a, another leader in the back line. So Kelly, we can lose out of there. McKay on the wing. We've got Seisman on the other wing. He's probably giving us more. So you put in Shoal, you move Hamill up to the wing, or you bring in some of these other younger players from... The FL, you move Sloan out from the midfield onto a wing and then to a half-forward flank. So you're still keeping a senior player there, but you're giving an opportunity. The problem we've got at the moment is that we've got too many of those senior players uh, in the team when there should be an opportunity for young one, and it's still going to give us a balance of having some senior players around them. I'm, I'm like you, Macca. I agree you've got to have those other ones around them. But those particular players we've named, 
Murphy shouldn't be in there. I agree McKay with that. McKay shouldn't be in there. Kelly, as much as I love Kelly and I like what he does defensively, but he is a liability in trying to get that ball movement out of her back lines, and that sets our midfield up for failing. I think All this right. fear of playing... Oh, so just last one, the fear yeah. of um, the youngest players um, getting out-bodied and out-muscled because they haven't got the senior players around them has resulted in David McKay getting selected ahead of Lockie Scholl this week, despite Lockie Scholl's last two weeks averaging nearly 20 touches and David's about 14. Hundred percent. Now, uh, I've got the Arab child here, a newcomer, I think. Uh, g'day, how are you going? Good. How are you guys today? Very good, mate. Well, what you, what's your opinion on this rabble? Well, this rabble, to be honest with you, I feel like Will Kelly needs to be in the team. He's kind of a vital player if you think about it, because he's young and he's also has that experience. But the thing that's wrong with him is not being played in the right positions. I feel like. I feel like he should be more, a bit more forward. And at the back, he should be like a linking player to the, from like the back to the forward, like a half back kind of player, instead of a full back the way we're playing him. That's where I see the problem with Will Kelly is at the moment. But that's just my opinion, I think. Um, he's, he's, he needs to be there. But because he's young and he's got that experience from 2017, he's not like, um, let's say, David Mackay, where he has played and he's done. You know, like, David Mackay, we can all agree, he's done. His legs are given up on him, but Will Kelly needs to be there, I feel like. Thanks, mate, for your opinion. Much appreciated. And uh, as usual, Maka and Nikki, um, we've uh, just absolutely... We've uh, rabbited on. Absolutely rabbited on uh, about the same for so long. I reckon I called it, about five minutes ago at one thirty-five, and here we are at 205. Look, thanks everyone for, who's job. stuck around. Um, you know, we're uh, <coughs> we're opinionated, but uh, we certainly uh, uh, understand that uh, our opinions are just that, aren't they, Macca? Just like assholes. Exactly. In some, no, we've got to say it anymore. Yeah, I know. There was, a, there, was a, there was an opening there, but I'm not going to say it. Oh, very good. Um, all right. Well, look, thanks everyone who joined us on Discord and on YouTube. Uh, thanks also to everyone who supports us on Patreon. Don't forget, if you want to support us there, go to AFL Crowcast. Oh, sorry, patreon.com forward slash AFL Crowcast. We've rabbited on for far too long. Thanks everyone for sticking on, and we will call it quits there and see you all on Tuesday night for Tuesday Night Live. Not at all. Not at all.